Good morning, good morning, good morning to all of you uh, at our LaGrange campus and watching online. That was some worship, huh? Come on now. All right, we're trying, we're trying. You can feel the spirit in the room, and uh, it was that way at 9.30, it's that way at 11. I- I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Um, I was pretty sick. I was actually down for the count this week, and now uh, the rest of my family is down for the count except my wife, so it's awesome. Um, But I'm excited because of what God's been doing in my life, and so I get to share. Over the last several weeks, I've been studying miracles and the miracles of Jesus. And and there's 37, to be exact, in the New Testament that are mentioned in the Gospels. Now, John tells us that Jesus performed many more. And that if you were to uh, actually write them all out, it would take books on books across the whole world to fill. And and so it's powerful. You you see miracles of Jesus walking on the water, which happens to be my favorite. You see Jesus healing people. You see Jesus feeding thousands. Sometimes Jesus would perform the miracle himself. Sometimes he would call on God to perform the miracle, showing his authority, showing his power. Showing he truly is the son of God. But Jesus performed miracles to either meet a human need or confirm his identity as the authority and the son of God. Jesus performed miracles to teach us life lessons. Jesus performed miracles to teach his disciples life lessons. One of the things I'm learning about in these miracles is that It's not just for miracle's sake. It's literally to teach us how to love, how to serve, how to persevere. And as I was studying, as I was thinking, God, show me what you you want me to to say. Show me, God, just just open my mouth and speak. And, And God pointed me to Luke 13, 10 through 17. One of the ways he did that is um, if you don't know, my mom um, has been sick for almost uh, right at 25 years. She was diagnosed with MS when she was 35. She was diagnosed with an unspecified autoimmune disease when she was 38. She had breast cancer when she was 39. And, and then uh, on top of all that, she lost her baby boy just a couple of years ago. But... Um, We found out that a medical procedure she was supposed to have that was supposed to take a lot of the pain away didn't work. It was a medical procedure that only been performed about 10 times throughout the U.S. It was supposed to be kind of this last ditch, last minute effort. Unfortunately, it didn't work. But God has a plan and the doctor that they're dealing with uh, had done a fellowship at the Mayo Clinic. And so we found out my mom will be headed to the Mayo Clinic for a period of time. And if you've ever dealt with chronic pain, you know it's just unbearable. But my mom has handled it with such grace, such humility, such power. She has shared her story, she has shared Jesus, but she's tired. And so I sent her this 
passage from Luke 13, 10 through 17, thinking, Mom, if God can heal this woman who has been crippled, literally bent over it, and then literally not walking straight for 18 years, he can heal you. This is my prayer for you. I'm praying this over you. Because my mom told me she had stopped praying for the miracle. She said, I, have, I, I stopped praying for Jesus to heal me a long time ago. I just pray for him to give me strength to get through it. I was like, Mom, no, he wants you to keep praying through that miracle. Just keep praying, Mom. This is my prayer for you. And so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 13, verse 10 through 17. But first, to set it up, Jesus starts, uh, or, or Luke starts chapter 13 um, kind of in, in an interesting way. He starts by really, Jesus is preaching, all right? He's, he's preaching and, and he's telling a lot of people to repent um, in, in the Galileans. He's telling them, you need to repent, now, a lot of them had, had succumbed to the fact that if something bad happened to you, you were sinful. If something bad happened, that was meaning you were not righteous. And, and, and he, they pointed to a couple of instances where they said, if something good happens, you're in good standing. And Jesus, like he does, says, no, 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 <laughs> no. He goes, death is not the end, no matter where you are in your spiritual standing. If you know me, if you have repented, if you have asked me into your life, you will spend eternity with me in heaven. If you don't, you will spend eternity in a very real place called hell. He said, that's what matters. Have you asked Jesus, have you asked me to be the Lord of your life? And he moves on from that, and he moves on with the parable of a fig tree. <laughs> you know, trees often represent, in, in the book of the Bible, they represent like a growing tree, is a, you know, a blossoming tree is you know, a fruitful tree. It's, it, it's really representing a fruitful life, like a changed life. Jesus tells about the story about this, this, uh, this tree that um, a man goes to it and it's this fig tree and all the other fig trees are, man, they're doing well, but this one fig tree is literally just taking up space, taking up time, it's not bearing fruit, but it is taking up the tender love and care of the farmer. Jesus said, if you accept what's been great, but don't bear fruit, that is not the way I've designed for you. You need to have a changed life. If you know me, you will have a changed life bearing fruit. Does that mean perfection? No. It just means your life should bear fruit. Does that mean works get you to heaven? No. It just means your life should bear Jesus. He's talking about hypocrisy. 
He's talking about you saying one thing and living a completely different life. He's saying, hey, you go to church on Sunday, fantastic. But what are you doing the rest of the week? How do you treat your neighbor? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your kids? What is your attitude? Oh, that'll get a lot of us right there especially when things aren't going our way. And so he's just speaking to hypocrisy. Hey, hey, if you say I've changed your life, live it. And so then he moves on. Luke takes us into where we'll pick up today. He's, Jesus is preaching to, uh, in the synagogue and he's preaching to a bunch of religious uh, people. <laughs> Always fun when he does that because he takes on a completely different tone. But he, he, he's, he's preaching to the religious. He's preaching to a bunch of people, kind of like we're doing today. Okay, so just kind of imagine we're there. A completely different person, obviously, up here. Right, just imagine that you're there and imagine the picture that happens in these verses. Chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And not not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful picture of grace and God's mercy? Here he is preaching. Preaching. And one of his children walks in who has been crippled for 18 years. He literally stops in the middle of his sermon. He stops. And he says, You're healed. Hey, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. I care about you. I love you. You're healed. Oh. I can't wait for the day he touches my mama and she's healed. Because what this woman does 
she stands up straight. She's like, oh, glory to God. How awesome of a picture that had to have been. He stopped what he was doing. He did that over and over. He did that over and over to people that considered were considered outcasts. They were considered trash. I mean, if you had a di- disability back in that time, I mean, you've got to understand that the medicine back then is not like it is now. It wasn't like medical care for everyone. But Jesus literally stopped what he's doing. And, 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 and healed this woman who literally was left. She's like, mm, she's not, she's useless by society. Throw her out. But he stopped and he healed her. Just like he did with the blind beggar. Just like he did with the, 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 the man who came from the roof. Imagine that. That happened, right? He just stopped. You see, he showed great love. He was showing his disciples, hey, no matter what you're doing, it's better to love. And out of that love, to serve. And I was like, yeah. Go, Jesus. And I was reading the rest, and as I was reading on, I was like, Man, that's awesome, man. Jesus healed her just like he could heal my mom. How incredible is that? He stopped in the middle. And, and, and then I got to the part about the, uh, the ruler of the synagogue. And man, he was indignant. That means he was annoyed, right? He was like, what? No. Uh-uh. You come back when we're open. You come back when it's convenient. You come back when you're supposed to. Because that's how that works, right? And I was like, man, I wanted to reach through my Bible if I could. I wanted to just wrap my hands around that man and slap him. I was like, no, you did not. How dare you? How dare you? This woman's been crippled for 18 years. How dare you? I was literally getting angry. And then Jesus broke me. You see, and, and we often like to put ourselves in the shoes of those around or in the shoes of the crippled getting healed around when Jesus heals. We rarely put ourselves in the shoes of the one that says, come back another time. And Jesus in that moment said, hey big boy, you ready to put your hands around your neck, slap yourself a little bit because you're the synagogue ruler. I wanted to throw up. I was like, no, Jesus, come on. (laughs) I'm not. I'm a pastor. I love everybody. He's like, do you? 
And then he started pointing out different instances where I told somebody no when it wasn't convenient for me. He started pointing out instances when I said I would be there and, and I didn't show up. Started pointing out instances when, when someone called and said, Cameron, can you come? I really need you. I really need you. And I was like, ah, man, I'm tired. Whoo, I don't know about that. I don't know, Jesus. Or I would go. Oh, I got to go minister to people. This is the eighth night in a row. And Jesus was like, yeah, that's you. That's you. And then in the middle of this, I was just like, wow. Jesus, forgive me. You see, that's what Jesus does. He uses miracles to teach us lessons. Whether we want to learn them or not. Whether we want to learn them or not. Jesus' tone, like I said, takes this drastic change. And his tone does that when he, he, he's with those who call themselves or herself religious, or even Christian, and then act high and mighty, but then just don't love people. I'm going to say this, it's hard to really love Jesus if you don't love people. It's kind of like saying, I love my wife, my kids are, mm. You see, you got to love Jesus, you got to love his people. Jesus calls them hypocrites, and to paraphrase, he's saying, what's better, this woman be healed or me not upset all of you because it's the Sabbath? Not upset, hey, I'm not going to upset you right now. Hold on, let's not upset this ruler. Let's not heal this woman who's been crippled and, and debilitated for 18 years because it's not the right time. Because we don't want to get in the way of tradition. It's not how we've always done things. Oh, no, 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 time out, man. We don't want to get in the way. Hold on. No, Jesus said, I'm going to stop what I'm going to do, and I'm going to take care of people. I'm going to love people. He's saying, Cameron, people are the most important thing to you, not processes, not procedures, not all this junk. You take care of people. You minister to people. You love my people. You want to do my will? You love my people. I'll take care of everything else. You just love my people. What's better to love everybody always like Jesus? No matter the inconvenience. I love Bob Goff, but he would tell you at all points to Jesus. What's better to love them no matter what, no matter the, or live in this bubble where we walk around and we say, uh, man, you don't look like me, you don't talk like me, you're weird. I'm not going to mess with you. Uh, it's not the right time right now. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. It's, I'm in, it inconveniences me. No, that's not how we do things. I'm not going to mess with you. 
No, stop. I'm done. That's not the way Jesus designed it. He wants us to walk around with open arms going, I love you. I love you. I love you. Are standards good? Yes. But should standards get in the way of loving people and serving people like Jesus would? No. Because love is what this whole Bible is about. He died on the cross for you because he loves you. He performed miracles because he loved you. And out of that love, he came to serve and not be served. He came to heal the sick, not the healthy. And he's saying, I need you to do that. I need you to love people so much. It's not an inconvenience when you have the opportunity to serve them, Cameron. I need you to love people so much that you do it out of the overflow. Yes, it can be an inconvenience of your time. Fine. Don't let it be an inconvenience of your attitude. Don't let it change your attitude. We're called to love. Our busyness will always be busy. It'll always be there. People will not. You're always going to be busy. But people will not always be there. What are you willing to do to make an impact? What are you willing to do to love somebody? What are you willing to do to love them like Jesus? What are you willing to be inconvenienced by? You know, this, it's, it's amazing what God does. He's like, hey, I'm going to show you love this week, okay? I'm like, great. I'm going to make you sick. I'm like, Awesome because I need to show you something. And so I was down for the count on Wednesday. And uh, hmm. there was a, a, someone in our, our congregation who texted me and asked if um, a question, and I answered. I said, hey, I'm going to have to get back to you later. And, and they were like, oh, okay, is everything okay? I was like, no, I'm pretty sick. And they're like, okay, you need anything? I said, no, I'm fine. And because uh, I, I, I'm not a big, I don't, I don't like to ask for things. And uh, I had talked to my wife. I said, I said, hey, can can you have um, Zay get me some Gatorade or or something? And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of it. And I, I said, hey, can you also have them pick up my prescription? have Zay and she's like yeah 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 well Zay had been off he was off working or something and and so she just called the same person that had texted me that morning not knowing she had texted me and she said hey do you mind 
do you mind uh, just, just take, dropping everything you're doing pretty much and taking camera and Gatorade? And this lady with a servant's heart and a love for Jesus dropped everything she was doing on her day off and brought me Gatorade and some crackers. On her day off, she doesn't get very many. She doesn't get very many days off. On her day off, when she could have just worried about her, which would have been tough. It's okay. She didn't have to bring. She stopped what she was doing and said, I'll bring you Gatorade. She does not live near us. She lives about 20 miles, 20 minutes away. I mean, it's not convenient. You see, our, our acts of love, our acts of service don't have to be big. They can be bringing someone Gatorade. When, when someone comes into your mind, you could send them a text that says, hey, you're on my mind, I'm just praying for you, I love you. It could be something small. It, it could be just saying yes when they say, hey, can you help me out? Yes. Hey, can you do this for me? Yes. That's the love of Jesus. That's being Jesus. That's being Jesus. You see, Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you see, when Jesus changes your life, you need to share that change with your neighbor. But here's what neighbor means. Neighbor doesn't just mean the person that lives on the right side of you or on the left side of you or in your cul-de-sac. Neighbor means anyone you come in contact with. That means your neighbor is the person at McDonald's that you are going through the drive-thru. They're having a bad day. They spill your sweet tea on you and you don't blow up at them. You say, hey, it's okay, things happen. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, be with me right now. I need the attitude of peace. Or it's being Jesus to the waitress or waiter that doesn't get your order right. Or tipping them correctly. Or it's being Jesus to the your employer, being Jesus to the employee that's driving you nuts. Being Jesus to your kids, showing them love, serving them. Being Jesus to your spouse, loving and serving them. Loving and serving them. You see, it's anyone we're around. And when we see miracles happen in others, we, we need to praise and get excited for what God's doing in their life because we love them like Jesus loves them. We don't need to be envious about someone else's miracle. We need to give God praise and say, man, that's awesome. God's moving. 
God's moving. We don't need to be envious about your friend's kid who got into the college of their dreams. When yours is sitting over here wondering, what do I do next? God's just building your child's miracle and testimony. It's okay. He's going to show you how to love them through it. It means we don't get envious when our spouse's friend gets the promotion and ours doesn't, even though we desperately need it. We give God praise. It's an attitude thing. It's an attitude thing. We shouldn't be inconvenienced by someone else's miracle. We should be thankful and grateful that God showed up and performed a miracle. Performed a miracle. But see, here's what that says to you. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised him to those who love him. You see, if you're waiting on your miracle, if you're waiting on your miracle, the thing you can do is love. Love everybody. Serve everybody. Be Jesus to everybody. Keep praying for that miracle. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't let Satan speak lies to you. Don't do that. Keep praying. Keep standing strong. Keep standing in love. Saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I need a miracle. Jesus, I love you. I need a miracle. Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I need a miracle. You got to... You got to stay in the spirit. You got to stay on your knees. You got to stay on your face because one day he's going to perform your miracle and then you will get to give him all the glory and all the praise because he came through just like he said he would do. You got to stay in it. Loving God and staying faithful even under pain and pressure is the way to the crown of life. And in our waiting, God could use that to perform a miracle for someone else and change their life. So don't give up. You see, in your waiting, God could perform a miracle because you, he could have someone looking at your situation, at your story, going, wow, look at how they're handling that. Look at what makes them different. I want that. I say that to my mom today. Mom, people are watching you. They're watching how you handle this. You stay strong. Miracles are happening because you are staying obedient. You are staying loving. You are loving people. You are serving them. So when it seems like you've been praying for your miracle for 18 years, you stay right there. Stay obedient. Stay passionate about Jesus. Let him write your testimony. Too many times we give up right before the miracle. Because it gets hard. Don't give up. He's not done. If you have breath, he is not done with you. There is still opportunity for a miracle. 
God wants to do one. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. Stay strong. Loving Jesus means loving people. All people, not just the ones we like. Loving Jesus means serving people, not just when it's convenient or an okay time. This world doesn't need any more religious leaders or Christians who only point and talk to Jesus when it's convenient. This world needs, uh, this world needs Christians and, and people who say they love Jesus to act like it. If we want to stop what's going on in our schools and across our country, it's not going to be anything but an act and a miracle of Jesus. It's going to be anything but an act and a miracle of Jesus loving people through us, of us loving people so much because we love Jesus. We know what he did for us, and we're like, hey, I just want to show you Jesus' love. I just want to show you the love of Jesus. Instead of people seeing us as hypocrites, does that mean we're perfect? No. It just means we love Jesus. It just means we're excellent at loving Jesus. I just want to be excellent at loving Jesus. Jesus showed us in this miracle how to love the world like Jesus would, by loving them and serving them. So let's do that. Let's love and serve people so that miracles happen and lives are forever changed.